0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 111. Royal Caribbean's Voyager-class ships are truly a great class of mega ship to enjoy, and they have become really a fan favorite. Adventure of the Seas is the middle child of the Voyager-class, and this week, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at adventure as we discuss what Adventure of the Seas offers in terms of dining, activities, amenities, and more. Here we go. Royal Caribbean has 23 ships in its fleet, and each offers something a little different and unique. It's these slight differences that endear us to a particular ship, and this week, we get a chance to talk all about Adventure of the Seas and what you can expect if you're sailing on her anytime soon. Royal Caribbean recently enhanced Adventure of the Seas in 2014, and that has sparked a lot of renewed interest in her, I think. And speaking of enhancing, I wanted to bring on a friend once again who sailed on Adventure of the Seas just a few weeks ago. Back with me again is someone who covers all cruise lines, but... Deep down, he has a huge man crush on all things Royal Caribbean. It's Don Bucolo of EatsleepCruise.com. Welcome back. Thanks, Matt. I love how you phrase that—a uh, crush on Royal Caribbean. That was awesome. Man crush. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it is <laughs> so true. true. I, I I will have to admit, you were right. We uh we do have a very special place in our heart for Royal Caribbean.
0: Nice. And of course, you just sailed on uh, Adventure of the Seas here, and uh, you know these days. Uh, it's sailing out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and you got a chance to get to take a first hand look, actually, at some of the changes to the ship, which we're going to be talking uh, about in just a little bit. But let's begin with the basics about Adventure, Don. She's a Voyager class ship and was launched back on November 18th, 2001, and, like all Voyager class ships, can accommodate a little over 3,000 passengers. So, with that in mind, Don, mm-hmm. what struck you the most after spending a week on Adventure of the Seas?
1: <sighs> oh, well, there's a lot, but I think having sailed on. Freedom and the Oasis class and knowing Voyager was kind of the predecessor to those much larger ships, it kind of seemed like you got... Uh, freedom class or even you know, some Oasis class, especially with the upgrades, sense to it, but with, men, with much fewer passengers. So it seemed like the ship was more manageable. Um, it never seemed overcrowded. The venue seemed a little bit larger because I think they're probably the same size they are on some of those other ships. But with the fewer passengers, it just seemed like you could enjoy some of the different bars and lounges more because it never seemed packed. Um, So that was one thing we really enjoyed because we would get to do everything and never seemed like you were rushed or you were worried about queues and lines.
0: You know, it's interesting because my first Royal Caribbean cruise was on Explorer of the Seas, which is a sister ship to Adventure. They're both uh, Voyager-class ships. And then I spent many years cruising on Freedom and Oasis-class ships. And then I I went back to Navigator of the Seas just a couple years ago, which is another Voyager-class ship. And I think I had the same reaction you used Don. I, I kind of went on there and was like, wow, this is really cool. It, you know, it feels still like those other ships that I'd been on. But you kind of forget almost uh, how, I think you use the word manageable. It's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting size. And, you know, Voyager at one time was, you know, among the largest ships in the world. Mm-hmm. And these days, you know, it's pretty much dwarfed by a lot of other ships out there. But it's still a big ship and it doesn't quite feel like a big ship. No, definitely. We went with some family members who had never been on a cruise, so
1: we didn't want to put them on some, you know, mega ship. Um, but we also didn't want to go on something too small either. We want, and we found this was a great compromise because there were plenty of different activities and things to do. But you could get around, and I mean, let's be honest, we all have gotten lost on a cruise ship, regardless of how big. So you might take a wrong turn here or there, but it definitely felt like you could get your bearings straight pretty easily. And it still had a nice, good size Royal Promenade, and it, all the other you know bars and lounges. So definitely um, would highly recommend this size ship, especially for first time uh, cruises, because I think it's the best of both worlds, um, being being its size, but not being as large as even you know even Quantum's a, a good size ship. So no, we were definitely we walked on and were like, oh, we I think we can uh-huh. handle this.
0: Sure. Now, as I mentioned earlier, in uh, April 2014, Adventure of the Seas received a Royal Advantage upgrade, which included an outdoor movie screen, digital signage, ship-wide Wi-Fi, a new concierge and diamond lounges, and, of course, it also changed over Portofino's specialty restaurant to Giovanni's table. Uh, what about these changes kind of struck you? Or which ones really stuck out or which ones did you notice the most, I guess? The
1: digital signage is so key, uh, especially if you're with individuals who don't cruise because you can find out where you are, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, if you don't have a compass handy, you can find the activities and, and things to do. So we've, we found those to be really useful. We didn't we didn't dine at, um, at Giovanni's, but we, we did take some pictures and, and looked at the menu, and everyone we talked to really seemed to enjoy that restaurant. It's one of the venues we haven't tried yet, so we definitely need to get there. But it felt like that was definitely a good upgrade that people who had tried it really didn't like it. And the movie screen is, is nice, especially if you're back from a pork day and you just want to chill. They were playing some movies there. They played, uh, had a... The Marvel Avengers was one night and they had some other movies there too but it, what I like it for is when they do activities on the pool deck like the belly flop contest they also broadcast it on that giant screen so no matter where you are you can get like a perfect view of some of the craziness that happens especially on the sea days. That's a great point you know one of the things I noticed
0: on when I was on Freedom of the Seas they've had a the movie screen over the pool for quite a while now uh, but you know I was thinking about it, I was like you know I can't even imagine going to a pool now without a movie screen because of things like you mentioned, whether it's the ability to be able to see what's going on during an event or activity more easily without actually being there, especially if you want to stay in the shade Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, or just maybe you're enjoying, you know, some morning music or whatever the case may be. It really has added quite a bit and it's not very gaudy or just in your face. It's just it seems very natural to have it there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It, you don't. If you don't want to see it, you don't need to see it, right? It's just kind of there, and it enhances things like they have like a night party on on adventure, so they have a sail away where they broadcast things on that screen too, and kind of incorporate that in the music and into the different elements. So it, it's it, it it's perfect where it's located on this particular ship, and um, you know, I think some of those little the little technology things is really what. Uh, cruising needs to happen the wi-fi was pretty good Uh, having sailed on quantum as you know that that internet is nice and fast but we we had decent experience here we did do an internet package and we used um two devices and we found it to be pretty stable i'd say it was a little bit faster than 3g but we didn't officially clock it or test it but it was good enough for social media sharing checked email maybe twice all week um but for some of the you know small, easy things to do, the internet was perfectly fine, and it did work everywhere on the ship. So we didn't have any issues. We had an inside room, and we were able to utilize it on our phones and our tablets. So that was a nice addition as well.
0: Nice. Now, one of the things you mentioned, of course, is that the adventure of the seas these days is sailing out of San Juan. And I, have, I think many of our listeners know I did a similar cruise on Jewel of the Seas, which also is sailing out of San Juan, offering similar itineraries to the southern Caribbean. And so when you're sailing out of San Juan, you're often going to be getting few sea days, lots of port days. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. I think it actually works well for Adventure of the Seas because while it did have a refurbishment, you know, in April 2014, it didn't get a whole lot in its refurbishment relative to what other ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet have gotten. But that's not a bad thing necessarily because, again, you're spending so little time on the ship. Was that also kind of your experience being on Adventure? I think
1: so. We ended up getting one extra sea day, but you're right. Usually you have just one sea day and you're at four or five different ports of call um but i think if if you want to stay on the ship obviously there's plenty of things to do but if you're going for the itinerary which i think many people do as you mentioned um then you know you've got enough to keep you occupied and then you can go off and enjoy the islands and come back and still find things to explore and different different things to do so i think it's it's a perfect with ships getting bigger and bigger obviously they're putting some of these, I guess, you consider them middle-sized ships now. Like you mentioned, this was one of the largest cruise ships in the world like 10 years ago or a little more than that. But um, it, I, it, it's nice because it can go to the, some of these different ports that the larger ships can't get to yet, but yet you still have enough variety that you, you don't feel like you have to go in the ports. You could spend some time on the ship and really get to enjoy the different things that are on board.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting is Adventure of the Seas still has a couple of things on board that kind of, it's almost unique now because it's mm-hmm. ships have lost them over the last couple of years during enhancements and it's one of the only two Voyager-class ships left with an inline skating track, which I know you took a photo of. Did you did you brave the, uh, did you whip out your rollerblades and give it a try?
1: Oh, the knee pads and the helmet, I forgot to pack those. Um, honestly, we didn't and... I have a feeling that we weren't alone. We were on the sports deck a couple of times playing mini golf um, and just you know, shooting baskets just to, to pass some time. And I don't think I saw anyone use it. It wasn't, it wasn't open very often either. I can check the compasses again. But it had so so very select times because it has to be staffed, obviously, because you have people who need gear and things like that. And I suspect if it goes back in, they'll get rid of it because it, it, it's prime real estate. Sports deck was pretty busy in certain days with soccer or basketball rock climbing wall was being used pretty well the, the mini golf was being used and that was just there yep. um but it is unique and and uh i guess it if you really like skating and then um <laughs> that might be
0: a ship, a ship for you <laughs> well there's two other things also that are unique to the ship and these days that's that it's saying something it still has a champagne bar because in all mm-hmm. other ships they've pretty much been replaced the champagne bar with our bar i know there's lots of folks out there that really enjoy the champagne bar and you know the ambiance whatever my wife was actually one of them we were on freedom of the season she's like what happened to the champagne bar i'm like it's at our bar now and Mm -hmm. then she's like oh i like that one anyway (laughs) cool story bro and also (laughs) it also still has a nightclub jesters yeah and
1: actually my wife is the same exact way she loves a champagne bar and um, which is funny because she doesn't drink champagne, but she just – again, that, like you said, that atmosphere, it's a little bit more intimate. I think the service there, they kind of usually step it up a notch. Uh, while we were there, actually, it had a specialty drink menu that said R-Bar on it. So I asked. I go, oh, are you guys being converted to the R-Bar? They're like, no. They kind of took a little defense to that. No, this is the champagne bar. We just have a specialty menu. There's a mixologist on board. Nice. So I said, oh, okay. And, and the drinks were pretty – they were different. I know that our bar has different menus on all the ships. Um, so we did spend some a good amount of time with the Champagne Bar uh, there. If they still have the same menu, if anyone go, is going on there relatively soon, they have a strawberry shortcake martini, which the women uh, in our party uh, hands down rave about. So give that a shot if it's still on the menu. If not, ask if they can do it. And then, yeah, Jester's i not we're not night nightclub people. I don't know if you and your wife are, but we went in there just one night to say we went there and got a drink, and it was probably twelve, twelve thirty, and there was like no one there. So those spaces are just they're just not being used anymore and cruisers are looking for spaces that offer more variety than your traditional disco.
0: You stayed up way later than we did. There was one night when we came <laughs> like to the seas. Like, Yeah, we're gonna stay up late. We put the kids in the nursery and Adventure Ocean, we're like, Here goes, this is the night, baby. And we got to nine thirty, and my wife was like, "I'm getting really tired." And I think we <laughs> called it a night by like ten o'clock. That's like, it's like we made it double digits, baby. That's good enough. All right, we're good. <laughs> well, no,
1: we, honestly, we normally are clocking out right after the show. Maybe grab a drink after the show, or if there's a game show in like one of the lounges, and then we call it a night. But we had we always try to do a drink around the ship, and. Right. Jesser's was never really open either. Like During the day, I, I, I got some great pictures in there with no one there because it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and the lights were on, and there was just no one there. So I'm from like, I, beautiful. Picture time. It's not,
0: my, it's not my, my style by any means. I was never really big into the whole cruise clubbing thing. But from what I understand, a lot of people have told me is that the nightclub really comes to life, if you will, late in the evening. Like, And you were there at 1230, so maybe. I don't know. But usually like it's after midnight like when, when other bars start closing down. And essentially, it's like the only game in town. It starts to really become more popular. Uh, but that may... Be, of course, every ship is different. And of course, you're also sailing on, you know, out of San Juan to a little different clientele than maybe a cruise that's going out of, say, Bayonne, New Jersey. Something mm-hmm. to keep in mind as well.
1: Yeah. My sister, uh, my wife's sister, did did spend a couple of late nights there. She came back once at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, and she said it was busier. But as you mentioned, I think the only places open at that time of night are the nightclub and the casino, probably, and... and Cafe Promelot, I guess, if you really needed a drink. I think they have a couple. They have some there, but I just think personally some of the venues on the other ships that have that you can you can turn almost any place into a nightclub right with a decent DJ and just some space things like the music hall on quantum or you know 270 they do kind of disco nights where one night that it's open late and that's the disco but there's just so much other stuff you can do in those venues at other times so I think that's why some of the ships are just getting rid of a, a dedicated nightclub but um but yeah you'll never catch us even even if they do keep nightclubs i don't think you know 12 12 30 is kind of that is way past our bedtime <laughs>
0: yeah, we're, we're old people don it's sad but we become old people <laughs> <laughs> it happens I, I freely admit it now i used to deny it for many years but i'm an old man now sorry it's it's come and gone um <laughs> so one thing i was I, it was interesting i was looking through the photo tour that you posted on com, which by the way i'll post a link in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com if you want to go check it out very cool stuff And I'm still jealous, Don, you got some of these photos because Tan got all these amazing photos with absolutely nobody in them. And I said to him, dude, how did you get photos like this? (laughs) Because whenever I try to do this, there's always somebody in the way getting. But you had tremendous luck, so more power to you. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I saw one of the photos was the Gravity Sports Bar. And this is something I've never seen on any of the Royal Caribbean ship. Can you describe what the Gravity Sports Bar is and what made it kind of special and unique?
1: Sure. Well, the, the the tip that I gave Matt. So I'll let everyone listening on the tip. We're we're crazy when it comes to photos. So we get on the ship as soon as possible, and instead of going to the to the buffet or the park cafe or anything, we run upstairs, start at the pool deck, and just start taking as many pictures as possible of the venues that usually get popular. And then on off times, we can find you know actually the gravity bar is one where I think we have one person that picture. So I went back another day when they were closed, but the TVs were still on and took pictures. But, yeah, the Gravity Bar was one. I wasn't even sure if it really existed because when you when you read other reviews and some things, it's, people don't really talk much about it. But it's it, it's a typical bar. It has the same refreshers menu as, say, the Pool Bar or the Sky Bar. And then it's just walls of TVs. Um, and during given the time of year, there wasn't anything most Americans like to watch. A lot of soccer was on. Uh, which I like soccer, but it was sometimes not in English, so I couldn't really understand what they were saying. And it's just kind of a little bit more relaxed and chill. People say that it's a U-shaped bar, and the TVs are kind of all around the venue, and it's right on the promenade. So if, you, if there's nothing on the TVs, but you just kind of want that, sit out on the promenade and enjoy a drink, you can, you can pull up a chair there. So it was a place we, I went to a couple times just to have a, a kind of more relaxed drink and see what was going on in the sports world.
0: Interesting. Well, speaking of sports, I don't know if, how close you're paying attention. You are going, uh, obviously, the NFL season hadn't started yet when you were there, but I was wondering, you mentioned soccer. Were they shown like, Major League Baseball games? Like were, were American sports being shown there live, or was it the international feed uh, being shown in there?
1: They had a couple. I mean, they, because they had so many TVs, they did have a couple of different feeds, and we were usually there later at night. So I think it was more international sports. Um, I did see baseball. There was a, a couple of people from Pittsburgh, and they they had a Pittsburgh Pirates game on. Um, I think they're in like, the playoff hunt. And on, honestly, the Red Sox had an awful season this year. So I've been out of baseball since like, July when it was like, at, <laughs> the Red Sox are not going anywhere this year. So time to get ready for football. But um, they did have a mix of sports. Don't get me wrong. They had, a, they had NASCAR. I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but a lot of people they had some NASCAR on one day. So they definitely do try to, to appeal to the cruisers. If, if they can get the game that you're asking for, they'll, they'll try
0: to put it on. Now, me and my wife really enjoy roller Caribbean's ice skating shows because we really think that they're impressive in terms of the combination of theatrics, skill, and music involved. So on Adventure of the Seas, I saw that there's a hot, art, cool ice. What is this show all <laughs> about? It's kind of a tour through different types of art forms
1: from fashion to music to kind of contemporary painting or I guess – not contemporary painting, but just painting, so different art forms, and they try to bring some historic pieces of art to life, including historic songs. Like There's a Beatles segment and then kind of French Impressionists, and it's really all about the muse and trying to capture the muse in, in these different art forms. So we enjoy the ice uh, shows, too, and this was, a, this was definitely a well-choreographed one in the story line had seemed to to make a little bit more sense in some of the other shows we've seen where you kind of sit there scratching your head like, that was nice, but I just don't get it. Uh, This one definitely had, maybe for us the less sophisticated cruisers like myself, it definitely had, it was easy to follow and they did a really good job. Um, I feel bad for them because it was the last sea day and it was really rough. So the the outdoor decks were closed, so they uh, made the skaters do two shows that day in, in tough seas. So they they did the best they could but when that ship is moving i don't care how great a skater you're going to be it's going to it's going to be tough to perform
0: oh yeah absolutely i mean they <laughs> they're doing a whole lot better than i can ever do so i give them a lot of credit for that yeah i can't
1: even walk on the ship and they're ice skating and doing you know flips and all that stuff so it it was definitely one of the highlights of of the of the cruise as it normally is so i definitely recommend checking out the show try to get okay. there they did one evening Seven and nine, and then the last seat day was supposed to be one matinee, and like I said, they added a second matinee uh, for the cruise just because there wasn't much going on because the outdoor decks were closed.
0: So here's a quick question for you, something that I get a lot, and I, and I read a lot about people who are looking to do cruises out of San Juan. What was, in your estimation, what was the percentage of people from Puerto Rico, or at least Spanish-speaking people, on board versus English-speaking? Because that's always a concern. <coughs> when I was on Juul, I think it was like 20% I estimated were Spanish-speaking There was a lot of live Spanish music on board, which it was nice. It was enjoyable. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think there's some people that kind of always have this concern. I mean, it's not going to be like 90% Spanish unless your cruise is different than mine. But what was your uh, experience like?
1: Yeah, no, there definitely was a noticeable Spanish-speaking presence on the ship. They do do most announcements. Most announcements are always in English. And then for the major announcements, they did always follow up in Spanish with an interpreter if the captain made an announcement or something. We did joke around that they... uh, certain times they play the same music all the time, but there were a couple of Spanish speaking songs where even after like, I don't even know what the song's about, but you just heard it so much. But honestly, I, maybe 20%, I don't know. I, I didn't know. I mean, they would always say like who's from the U S and then "Who's from Puerto Rico and then who's from Europe. We had a pretty good mix of, of folks from all around the world. And, um, it honestly wasn't noticeable to us. besides, like I said, the couple Spanish, uh, techno or dance songs that we kept hearing everywhere. But, um, it was, it was nice to have because we could talk to people from all over. We talked to people from Canada. We were talking to people from uh, you know, the UK were there and a couple people from San Juan. So
0: definitely a, a nice mix of cruises from all around the world. That's great. So uh, last couple minutes here, Don, what, was, what are some other things that kind of you wanted – maybe we didn't talk, talk about about Adventure of the Seas that are worth mentioning for anyone who's maybe looking to do a, a similar cruise?
1: Sure. I would recommend definitely getting involved in some of the game shows and entertainment that uh, happens in the Imperial Lounge. It's a small venue, but they had some really good trivia there that we had fun with. They do some game shows there that are audience participation. Definitely you know, try to get to those. They're usually either right before a main theater show or right after. Um, if you're into signature drinks, besides, I already mentioned the Champagne Bar, the Duck and Dog the pub there has like these beer tinis which are cocktails made with beer as well as other specialty drinks, and then pub entertainment. That's definitely worth trying out. Even even the ladies tried some some of those unique cocktails and thought they were pretty good. So definitely give that place a shot too. That was one of my favorites. And if you're a beer drinker, obviously that's the place that has the widest selection uh, of beer. I, the menu. Don't go necessarily by the menu if you like a particular type of beer. Like I'm a big IPA drinker. The IP's honestly changed almost every day. I think it's just because whatever they can get at the port. But, you know, go there, get to know them, and they will can suggest beers to you and stuff. So that's another place to definitely check out.
0: Great stuff. Don, always a pleasure to have you on here. Oh, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, time to answer your listener emails. My favorite thing to do every week because we get to talk Royal Caribbean together. And, of course, big thank you to everybody checking out this podcast. Man, you guys are awesome. I love it. Love it. Love love it. Have I said I love it because I love it. (laughs) All right. First email, seriously, is from Dan Bixler of Riverview, Florida. Hi, Matt. We scheduled dinner at Chop's Grill on an upcoming sailing on Enchantment of the Seas. I was wondering if the cover charge only covers one entree, or is it similar to the cover set up at Johnny Rockets, where you can eat with a keep it coming style? I've seen in the reviews that several appetizers being ordered is common. I have not, however, seen the same thing with steaks. I understand that the dry-aged the dry steaks are an upcharge, and I would expect those to be a single-order item. So, Dan, look, this is a really good question, and the interesting thing is I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't think I've ever tried to order more than one entree. The thing is, of course, in the main dining room, or in other place, other restaurants where uh, entrees are, or, or it's complimentary, it's fine. I was actually thinking in Chops Grill specifically, I believe what I've read actually from a lot of other people is that there is an upcharge. I think it's like something like $10 for additional entrees. But I think in Sabor Modern Mexican, I've ordered multiple entrees. And I'm pretty sure at Giovanni's table, I've ordered multiple entrees. Now, of course, this wouldn't be the first policy the Royal Caribbean's ever put out there that is different from ship to ship and sailing to sailing, so that's not really helping you a whole lot there. I would assume that it's going to have an extra cost. Don't ask, don't tell. Just ask and, you know, say, hey, can I get the steak and the tuna or whatever the case may be and see if they say anything to you about it. Uh, that would be my greatest advice. If anyone has any good advice about trying to order multiple entrees of chops, the reason why I've probably never ordered multiple entrees at chops is because I'm always so darn full from all the amazing food they have there, so... One stake usually does it for me, but you never know. I mean, with anything, there's no harm in asking. The worst they're going to tell you is, "I'm sorry, sir, you can't," or "I'm sorry, sir, it's going to cost you ten bucks." And you say, "Okay, no problem at all. I'll uh, I'll make up for it somewhere else." So, good question, though, Dan. Thank you. Next we have an email from Mike Dunphy. Right, hi Matt. I have a question about using AT and T cell phone while in St. Thomas because it's an American territory. Am I able to use my cell phone? Did you have to get an international dialing dialing plan added? It's a good question, Mike, and the answer is you can use it and you don't have to do anything special for AT&T customers, T-Mobile customers, and I think Sprint as well. I know for sure Verizon does not allow you to do this, but for AT&T, and to your question, Mike, you can absolutely use it. You just turn it on. There's nothing special to do. Of course, I turn my phone into airplane mode when I'm on a cruise ship. So when we got into St. Thomas on Freedom of the Seas just earlier this summer, I turned the airplane mode off once we were pulling into port, and boom, it just picked it up. And it works just like you do in the United States because, again, St. Thomas is part of the United States, and it works fine. And also, the same thing happens, Mike, if you happen to go to St. Croix or San Juan, Puerto Rico, again, all American territories, so works without a problem there. Next, we have an email from Quentin who writes, Hey, Matt, hope you enjoyed your cruise. Can you please explain the next cruise and the onboard credit you would receive and the amount of deposit you would have to put down when the 2017 itineraries come out? So what is your next cruise going to be, and did you book on board? Keep up the amazing work, and if ever see you on a cruise, I'm definitely buying you a labadoozy. All right, note to self, make a book a cruise with Quinton. Okay. <laughs> I love the question. So can you please explain next cruise and onboard credit? So what Royal Cup allows you to do, when you're on a cruise ship, and so you're somewhere, you're on... You know, uh, let's say Adventure of the Seas we just talked about this week. Ah, you're on a cruise ship. Ah, life is good. Ah, all right. And at some point in your cruise, you stop by either the loyalty ambassador's office or the next cruise office, depending on the ship. They may have special offices or not, but regardless, there's a place for you to go. And if you book another Royal Caribbean cruise on board, Royal Caribbean will give you a certain amount of onboard credit. Now, the amount of onboard credit you get depends on uh, the length of the cruise you're booking and uh, when your cruise is and a couple other factors. You know, the ship... And the category of stateroom, that's the other big ones. It's really the two biggest are the stateroom category and the length of your cruise. But by doing so, by booking on board, you get additional free onboard credit on top of anything else Royal Caribbean's offering. So let's say there's a particular sale going on, whether it's the WoW sale or it's the BOGO sale or whatever the case may be. You qualify for that. But on top of it, you also get that free onboard credit. And you can either book a specific sale or you can say, I'm going to book the Freedom of the Seas cruise for... Uh, you know, August 2017 on this you know August twelfth. I don't know if that's a real sailing date, but I'm just picking one out. You know, and you'll book that one and you'll get that. You can also do something called a open cruise booking, which allows you to get a little certificate, which doesn't which is not tied to any particular cruise, then you essentially cash it in when you're ready to book. The thing is, Royal has really changed up the open bookings over the years, and in fact, the latest changes really reduce the amount the value of the open booking so my advice to you is actually just to book a specific sailing even if you're not sure it's a sailing you're actually going to go on and just to prove I'm not I I do what I preach I when we were on Freedom of the Seas I booked a cruise on Harmony of the Seas for 2017 just to get the onboard credit and I can always change it you can always change the itinerary and retain the benefits of that onboard booking so whether or not I actually sail on that one I don't know but At least I have something so I can take advantage of it. It's free money is what it is. And to me, I don't see a reason not to take advantage of that. So I almost always book on board because, again, there's really no harm in it. The the only thing about booking a specific sailing is, and this is true actually of the open booking as well, is the money is non-refundable. So you put $100 down as an example, you're not getting that money back. But that's okay because I know I'm taking Royal Caribbean cruise at some point. So it's not really too much of a concern for me next we have an email from Kim LaBeouf who writes hi at I'm sure you have mentioned this somewhere but I have searched and cannot find my answer I'm sailing on Freedom of the Seas departing on a cruise very soon I was wondering if the fire damage had been repaired the pictures look so terrible and I was curious not that it matters my family is so easily pleased we do not need five star quality food or waiters that remember our names just not having to go to work cook or do dishes is such a treat sometimes I just don't get what all the complaining is about anyway thanks and I love your stuff I am like a sponge by the way We plan on doing the Skyride to Paradise Point this time around. Kim, great question. The answer is they fixed it mostly. Even on the cruise that I was on, I was on literally the sailing right afterwards, you really could not tell. There was a small hole in the top near the smokestack that if you looked for it, you could see that it was there, but I don't think anyone really noticed it. They already painted it over by the time we had sailed, so I think by the time you go, Kim, you'll have no problem, in fact, and I wouldn't worry about that one bit. I mean, it was, I I gotta say, it was very much an overblown, situation look this is what the media does right fires at incidents and on cruise ships at theme parks and other places where lots of people go always get a lot of attention for not a lot of good reason right i mean little things generate news because people are interested in it i mean no one really cares about a f- i shouldn't say no one really cares far fewer f- people compl- you know are interested in a fire in someone's barn somewhere as opposed to like whoa there's a cruise ship on fire you know it's just gonna get People's attention—that's really what it's about. So, unfortunately, the media blows this out of proportion, and I and I feel bad for you, Kim. If you're worried about it, but you absolutely—in sh- this case—you should absolutely not be concerned about it. and this is true for anybody who's selling in Freedom of the Seas. I mean, it's a wonderful ship. And again, this is me after going literally what four or five days after the fire, no problems at all. So, I would not worry about that. Next up, we have an email from Mike who writes: Had an interesting thought about my upcoming cruise. Have you ever heard of anyone taking their satellite TV with them on the cruise? I have a tailgater system from Dish that I use for football games. The antenna is about the size of a basketball. Not that I'm actually going to try to take it, but if I did, would Royal Caribbean allow it? Well, Mike, that's an interesting question. If you put it in your carry-on luggage, let's assume you got through with it. Would they allow it? I don't know. I don't know if there's a specific policy against it, but what I would tell you is it probably still won't work. And the reason is because the satellite signal is not just all-encompassing. Usually the satellite companies target a specific area. This is a great example of this, Mike, is satellite radio. Uh, If you ever, I use, I'm a subscriber to uh, Sirius XM, but the thing is, if you ever, boaters will know this, if you ever go on your boat and you have a Sirius and you go out more than like, I don't know, let's say a mile, I don't know what the distance is, offshore, you lose the signal because they're not covering the middle of the ocean, there's no one listening there. So they target it around certain areas, so I don't think it would work because I don't think your signal is going to reach there. Now, let me also mention that I am not a satellite expert, I am not a dish network expert, so I could be 100% wrong on this. But I don't think it's going to work, and I don't think it would be a lot of bulk for not a lot of benefit. And the other thing, if I'm not mistaken, and I haven't tried this recently, but I don't think their televisions on board take inputs. I think they've disabled a lot of those inputs on the TV or hit them to the point where it's nearly impossible. Because I think I was on, when I was on Quantum, I wanted to hook up, I think, one of my cameras to, or the computer to the to the TV or I wanted to see if I could do it, and it was either impossible or, or it just didn't work because the ports were disabled. So kind of keep that in mind if you're... Thinking that in back and forth, I'm sure you're not bringing a television with you if you wanted to do it that way. And hopefully, actually, Mike, hearing some of Don's comments about the about the sports bar and Adventure this the is kind of maybe will let you know or put your worries to rest about having coverage of certain sporting events. But if you want to keep up with your favorite soap opera, sorry, you might have to wait until you get back home for that one, Mike. And our last email this week is from our good friend Beth Weigand, who writes, Oh, Matt. We booked another cruise. I know. Head, hanging head in shame. What were we thinking? We discovered, although we had taken that transatlantic cruise back in April, May, and thought we'd use up all our vacation time, we actually had enough time for another seven-night cruise. So, we booked Liberty of the Seas out of Galveston on December 6th. Got an interior on the ninth deck with any time dining. First time for my time dining, so it should be very interesting. Been a long time since we had an interior for the three of us. That should be really interesting as well. Kind of know where we are going again, but don't care. Keep up the good work of the podcast. (laughs) Beth, I'm totally with you on that. As someone who just, obviously, you may have heard already, Beth, I booked Brilliance of the Seas on a whim because I figured, why, I need one more cruise. I can't wait. I need something else. I'm totally with you on this, and I think it's great. Liberty out of Galveston, I'm sure you got a great deal. Those cruises that go to Galveston are usually fairly inexpensive, and what a great ship great itinerary. I love, I'm, I don't know which one you're going to. I mean, if you're going to the one that's going to, that doesn't matter where you're going. I love them all. <laughs> Some great stuff there. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Beth, on that cruise, especially, and kind of that itinerary and the whole getting to Galveston thing, always interesting to hear about. So good stuff. I'm glad that you booked another cruise. I applaud you, Beth. Good job. And if you have any more vacation time, book another cruise. Why don't you? Right? And that, that's, that's the, I think it's the motto for everybody out there. If you've got vacation time, Book it, <laughs> book another cruise. Darn it, because you don't want those days to go to waste, right? I mean, you could you could go to your cousin's wedding, eh, or you book another Royal Caribbean cruise. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> awesome. Well, once again, I want to thank everybody uh, for contributing to this podcast. Thank you to Don for the great stuff, and of course, thank you to all of you who've written in these emails. If you want to hear from you as well, so if you've got a topic, maybe you just booked a Royal Caribbean cruise. Let's share about it. Let's talk. I want to hear about the cruise you just booked. You have a question, whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean cruising, I want to hear about it. So please send me an email, Matt at Royal M-A-T-T at Royal So that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.